Hello, Winternets! This is ESC Insight Calling. I'm Ewan Spence. I'm Ellie Chalkley. And you'll never guess what's happening on this island. Oh, the Eurovision Song Contest. Yes, good afternoon, good morning, good evening. Well, it's quite clearly good evening because uh, in in a fit of, let's brand this very quickly, let's call this a chat over instant coffee. Hey! hey. Um, <laughs> the nice, the nice sort, though. Yeah, yeah, there's, there are some very nice. And coffee can be quick, especially if you just go to an Italian barista and just go the strongest, smallest, mo- most potent possible. Yeah, I won't even think about sitting down. Exactly. One of those coffees. Join me now, uh, friend of the parish, Ellie Chocolate. Hello, Ellie. Hello, Ewan. How's it going? It's been a busy day. I've have many thoughts in my head around Eurovision. I wonder what could possibly have caused those. Is it because we're in the same country that is going to be hosting Eurovision next year? Something like that. Yes, this lunchtime, as we record this podcast, confirmation came through from the EBU, the BBC and UAPBC, the hosting of the Eurovision Song Contest 2023. As we knew from previous communications, we'd not be in Ukraine. It will instead be in the United Kingdom. The BBC is the host broadcaster, although... We now have a host broadcaster, the the winning country, and a caretaker host broadcaster from the BBC. We shall have to develop an entire new language for this. But we should keep in sight, at the end of the day, we're going to have one three-minute song winning at the end of May 2023 from 26 that are in that grand final, from 40 other in the semi-finals. So the broad strokes are already there. It's the fine details that are going to keep us going until then, though. And fine details are something that a lot of us are, I'm going to say, over-prepared for. For a long time, how the UK, how the BBC might cope with hosting the modern contest, you know, this sort of multimedia, massive, sprawling beast that we have. Uh, It's been a thought experiment, something that we do in the off-season to make ourselves miserable with. Not only miserable, I think it's to think of a better time, to have those small moments of joy. And I don't know, maybe the BBC Eurovision team had that as well. And now they just have the cold, hard daylight fear that, yes, you wanted it, you've got it in unusual circumstances. I think everybody's probably read the Eurovision.tv article now Um saying that there will be some involvement from UAPBC in the show, which, given that we are going to be looking after the contest because the security situation in Ukraine makes it impossible for us to go back to Kiev as much as we'd like to, that's only correct. Yes. One of the images that I've had in mind today was the Scotland-Ukraine football match where they had the half-and-half scarves. It is going to be a real half and half scarf of a contest, yes. So there are lots of things under consideration. There are lots of things that will be discussed. There will be lots of questions that we as a community have right now where the answer is, answer unclear, ask again later. Um, and the biggest one of those is going to be, which city? Um. Well, you know, we know since 2020 that there is a way of doing this now um you uh, and the ebu and 
the BBC, because it's going to be dealing with public money, uh, are going to be just aggressively transparent about it. We know that the EBU has very specific criteria for a host city. They were published during the Italian bidding process, and the Italian bidding process did get quite silly. Um, but the host city criteria say specific size of arena, number of hotel rooms, transport links, and broadcast facilities and that does already cut the uk um the the cities within the uk that are willing to host down a little bit a lot of the eurovision community has zeroed in on glasgow i'm not quite sure whether to blame the netflix film for that one but in terms of obvious infrastructure and logistics glasgow has a lot going for it so does manchester arguably cardiff as well what is needed to host the contest both Glasgow and Manchester, UK Eurofans have worked out that the infrastructure is there. It's the the like the two arenas next to each other. That's also next to a um, events centre, and we know from Glasgow hosting COP twenty six that it is capable of turning that part of the city into a little bit of a closed off compound, which unfortunately is required for security reasons in the modern contest and we also have to consider that um, covid and pandemic precautions in terms of broadcasting may well still be in place at that point to a certain extent so lots of bubbles are going to be needed lots of space is going to be needed uh, and it's more than just oh that venue's got ten thousand seats there are a lot of these things to be considered and there'll be a lot of things that are specific to the remit of this of the 2023 contest as well mm-hmm. and there's also practical stuff like you know there might be a football match on that needs the satellite time with the Champions League. There might be big stars already booked into the venues. Well, it's funny that you say that because uh, um, because of the um, nonsense about the World Cup hosting, the Champions League final isn't until June. So your, your May dates are clear. So you could push Eurovision one week back from the norm just to give yourself a little bit of extra time because you don't have long to organize this thing yeah so like i reckon if if doing the normal maths gives us may 20th i think next year um but yeah there's no champions league final immediately after this time yeah so again that also that may be a question that might come down to venue availability you need to have a six week block to get two weeks to get the techs in two weeks to test two weeks for the actual rehearsals 72 hours and to get we may be looking again. at rescheduling uh some concerts that have already been rescheduled two or three times uh such as the joy and uh pain of scheduling tours and mega events uh during our crazy times yeah so there are many things under consideration that are not immediately obvious so i'm going to be saying this a lot over the summer i think speculate away community but wait for the news yeah i mean clearly like stuff has been going on since we since we first heard that it might be the uk and as always we only hear something when there's something to hear now that it's confirmed that it's going to be in the uk um like 
all the usual suspects will be running weird speculation and rumor articles trying to get clicks out of it and i would say pay them no mind yep oh they've started already um oh brilliant (laughs) um and mentioning no names but when you'd go on a whole big rant about how the uk can never win the song contest will never be good again and you have to have an opening paragraph excluding last year you've kind of (laughs) negated the whole point of the article uh oh well i mean which does lead us nicely into uh, a slightly more grayer area the uk hosting the eurovision song contest involves being nice and bringing in people from europe and helping a public service broadcaster provide a service to the rest of the world yeah, and I mean, uh, as somebody with like a lot of uh, involvement in uh, looking at the Edinburgh Fringe, there's uh, certain harsh realities of hosting international arts events in post-Brexit UK. And like the first of them is visas for performers, visas for skilled technical staff, and not messing around people who want to come here to see the show. If you look at something like the team who put together uh, the Eurovision London parties uh, and the issues getting one singer in from a non-Schengen, non-EU country to get a visa to come in and sing one song is incredibly difficult. Now, I am sure that the visibility will help, but I don't have the confidence that everybody's going to get through without any mishaps. Yeah, I don't want Moldova to have to select in November just so that they can get their passports back in time to do the pre-party season. Oh, I'd even thought of how long you'd have to wait. Jeez. Yeah, so there's all of that under consideration as well. But putting aside two or three people who decide what goes on the front cover of a daily publication that you can find in a newsagent... I think most people in the UK are going to be incredibly welcoming and looking forward to it. Look at the viewing figures that we had. Look at the love that Sam had over the last year. Our ambassador has created a really nice set of circumstances for the public to enjoy. Yeah. Do you know, um, it would be really nice to have Sam, if he's not busy, if he's not booked on a global tour at the time, taking part in, you know, a semi one or semi two uh interval act um the gig that he did at swg3 which um i'm just saying that might be like a nice euro club venue the whole swg3 complex this is a this is a small club space in glasgow uh well it's a large multi-unit club space with a nice outdoor uh terrace so you've already nominated the euro club or is that the euro cafe for oga uk having to build i don't know i don't but- It'd be nice. It It'd would be, be nice. Um, I yeah. to be chosen. Anyway, having yes. seen Sam there uh, doing just a pitch perfect audience participation routine, the idea of him doing that in a full arena um, as, like, you know, a returning ambassador, uh, possibly as part of some, I don't know, international solidarity interval act. The thought of it makes me well up. Yeah. And, it, and I can see him singing with the members of the Kalush Orchestra or with you other Ukrainian artists as part of that interval act. Oh, I really want Timur to host, you know. Like, I was thinking just... about that because you, 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 you would want Timur and you'd want Misha in there as well who hosted video. But of course, 
Tamer leaving Ukraine will depend on the circumstances that the country is in come May. Yeah. For those of you who haven't seen hasn't seen it, Timur is the Ukrainian commentator and was recording in a basement in a concrete box on a laptop when Ukraine won. They posted the video um on Instagram of the moment that he won. And yeah, there are so many of these small pieces. And they will come together in a specific way, but what way we won't know until we get to May. I I just think like the BBC knows how to do a big shiny floor show. The fact that like three television shows will be made next May, like I'm not even worried about that. My realistic side says there will be room for good sort of displays and actions of solidarity. There will be a lot of regrettable bureaucratic holdups uh, that take attention to resolve. And then some bits that are just sort of usual for Eurovision because not everything goes right. But I think it's re- like, I think like anywhere that hosts, nowhere's perfect. And the UK is far from perfect. And so I think it's really acceptable for artists, contributors, and fans even to use the moment to highlight how far we're existing from our ideals. Yeah. And every contest has its unique challenges. The 2023 yep. contest is is a co-host, essentially. And I, I think that, in you know, we haven't had a non-winning country host since 40 odd years ago and at that point you didn't really do joint hosting sharing the duties so that's something we've never had an official co-hosting situation before this is a new thing but then we haven't had a eurovision beforehand where you had to have so many bubbles because of a pandemic every contest provides a different challenge and broadcasters meet enough of those challenges to put on a great bit of live tv every year learn more lessons do it again 12 months later if you can use the co-production aspect to include like the competitive contest content coming from somewhere in the UK and live, live mixing that with uh, stuff that's coming from Ukraine, that is such a great illustration of what the Eurovision as a broadcast network is for. And it carries on that idea that we saw in the Turin contest last year, last season. It's so weird doing this in December. That idea of Europe coming together to support Ukraine on the Turin stage carries on into 2023. Yeah. Also, uh, the the 100% uh, qualification record rolls on. <laughs> yes, Ukraine are getting a direct through to the grand final. Uh, so we are going to have a 26-strong final there as well. And that's only right. Yeah, yeah. As we come to the end of the the, the pot of coffee, uh, as it were, what are you most looking forward to? What's the thing that you'd like to be pleasantly surprised by with the hosting for 2023, Ellie? I mean, other than uh, going to the contest and sleeping in my own bed, I think I would like to be pleasantly surprised by your your average person in the UK taking the contest to their heart. For me, I'm intrigued to see what happens with the actual host. It's going to be one of the most visible elements of cooperation throughout the show. Uh, But more importantly, I want to see if the BBC finally, finally makes space for Hacker T-Dog at Eurovision. A normal contest. An innocent contest. All right, cockers. 
Game Chief! You've been listening to Eurovision Channel for Instant Coffee and the hosting of the Eurovision Song Contest 2023 with Ewan Spence and Ellie Chocolate. Find out more at www.escinsight.com and support us patreon.com slash escinsight before we run out of theme tune. <laughs>